Literature with Nancy Richards. Well, we still have power, so let's carry on with the show in the third and final hour of SAFM Literature. What we have still to come, Roger Webster is going to be telling us, uh, telling us his thoughts on land distribution. After that, we, in our back page feature, Every Child Deserves a Dictionary. We'll be finding out what that's all about. With It's the name of a campaign put together by Oxford University Press, and we'll be talking to uh, Managing Director Steve Sillias to tell us about that. And to close, as always, the Sunday play. So, first up, I think that we uh, possibly have Roger Webster on the line. Hi, Roger. Hello, Nancy. How are you? I'm fine, thank good, you. How are you? Good, Excellent. Thank you. Tell us your story. Well, we're going to talk about dividing up of the land post-1994. And um, there are a couple of things that need to be in cleared um, so that we can get on with our business of running this country. By the time of the freeing of Nelson Mandela and the unbanning of the ANC, it's fair to fact the vast majority of land in southern Africa was in white hands. With our truly first democratic elections, a new government was now in place, and it's important to realize that the events that I'm going to talk about are, in fact, actual events, and they have taken place in our recent history. And we see, com and we are completely apolitical in what, what this telling is about. The decision to use the country's tax base to acquire land was the only sensible way to go, um, as many people of different tribes and races had, in fact, been removed from their ancestral land. But the trouble with this decision is that if you are using the people's tax money to pay out farmers, then surely to goodness the taxpayers must have some say in this. If the people pay out for farms, in actual fact, the farms belong to the people. Let me explain something about government and money, which many people don't realize. A government does not have any money at all, never has, uh, and will never have either. It is merely the custodian of the taxpayer's money. And you cannot legislate the poor into freedom by legislating the wealthy out of freedom. And thirdly, what one person receives without working for, another person, of course, must work for without receiving. For no government can give anything to anybody that it has not first taken from somebody else. So you get a situation when half the people get the idea that they do not have to work because the other half is going to take care of them. And then that other half gets the idea that it does no good to work because somebody else gets what they are working for. That is the end of a nation, as the late Dr. Adrian Rogers so ably put it. You cannot multiply wealth by dividing it. Now, let's have a look at a few statistics. South Africa is not a family-friendly country, since only 12% of the total land is arable, and that small percentage in itself is extremely fragile. The average rainfall in most of South Africa is about 640 millimeters per annum, as against the world average of 850 millimeters. Then again, 21% of the country has a total rainfall of less than 200 millimeters annually, and 40% between 200 to 600 millimeters, while only 31 records records more than 600 millimeters per annum. This 12% of arable land is cultivated by about um, 30 or 35 odd thousand odd farmers of all races. This is less than 0,1% of our entire population. In spite of what they do to fill out, they still manage to fill our supermarkets with fruit and vegetables and all kinds of meats and South Africa's 50 odd million or so inhabitants. These are the facts, whether we like them or not. Now, let's have a look at some of the land claims. 
Let's start with the Letsi Teli Valley up in Plumpopo province. The average rainfall in that area is about a thousand millimeters per annum. And permanent mountain streams run through the fertile valleys up there, and dams are well sited, and the climate is subtropical and frost free, with an average summer temperature of 29 degrees Celsius and 23 degrees Celsius during the winter months. The soil is extremely fertile with excellent drainage capacity. So the Litsitili Valley can be regarded as one of the best farming areas in the entire country, mainly due to the climate and the soil factors, but also because of the very professional way the farmers ran their businesses. That was the trouble. Then came the land claims. The Baraning Bachalotsua claim was based on the desire of 1,500 people to return to their original land. Actually, it has been determined that none of these people actually returned at all. There was a committee appointed to represent them and to run the farms on their behalf. And that committee, as it turned out, never ran the farms at all. They had businesses elsewhere. One was a Hummus Kral panel beater, another was a teacher, and a chairman worked in a bookshop, and another one for a publisher, and so it went. And these committee members awarded themselves over three, uh, 12,000 rand a month each and went through the operating capital of 4.5 million in no time at all. And in actual fact, nothing was managed. The farm laborers continued to work the farm until the pumps broke, and they were never repaired. Then there was no money for the, the vital spraying programs that very soon salary payments fell into arrears with untimely results. And in these farms, workers marched five kilometers to the farm offices where they toy-toyed and presented a memorandum of their grievances. This was in the February of 2003, Nancy, just 24 months after the Department of Land Affairs Minister, who was a diesel at that stage, told the world that the beneficiaries of the handover would, and I quote, go it alone, and that the project would prove to the world that the new black farmers were not lazy and indeed capable of running such going concerns. Almost inevitably, the area that once, by the government's own estimates, would be worth $100 million by the way of export income per annum, inexorably sank into the mire of ineptitude and was finally placed under judicial management. A small, non-governmental uh, task team of researchers which visited the farms found that the avo trees were dying of thirst and were past saving. Although the dams were full, but the irrigation pipes were broken and in places had been stolen and there was no money to repay or to replace them. The mango trees, spring blossoms were out, but the trees had not been watered either, and the papayas hung from the dry trunks and the grass and the weeds were growing between the expertly laid out plantation rows. This in a part of the world or our world were the best rainfall area in the entire country. The beautiful packing sheds were empty, the electricity had been cut off, and the cool rooms did not operate because of the lack of care and maintenance. Totally devastated by what they had experienced so far, the experts moved on to the next farm. And there they found a watchman who said, yes, there are still some bananas, but they were for what is called the bucky trade. Now, let me explain what this means. When a banana plantation is left unpruned and uncared for, they, smart, they sprout smaller shoots which grow from the trunk, and smaller bananas are the result. And, of course, the bundles are not covered in those well-known blue plastic bags which only, not only protect, protect the young fruit from the UV rays of the sun, but also keep the moisture in. In the late 2003, 
large bananas in Gauteng were selling at one rand sixty per kilo. These days, as you look at these beautiful plantations rolling on and on for kilometers at a time, you wonder at the madness of the policy that would destroy this immaculate farm and replace it with its subsistence bucky trade production. Well, we came across the macadamian groves and thousands upon thousands of nuts lying unharvested under the trees. The South African macadamian exports go mainly to the United States where the consumers can afford them. And at that stage, they were priced at 110 rand per kilo. The trees have not been pruned. The undergrowth has not been cleared. And a little further on, citrus orchards literally grasp, grasp for water in the searing South African sun. The original owners had been adequately paid out for these farms, but they wept openly at the total devastation of once what had been their pride and joy. Some families had been there for over 40 years. And what they saw was their life's work had been totally destroyed within just 28 months. That's about how long it takes to wreck a farm like that, 28 months. And it's not at the house you can rebuild in two months and get on with your life. To build up a farm takes a lifetime of hard work. There is the ancient Chinese saying that goes something like this. If a man knows and you know that he knows, he's wise. Follow him. If a man knows not and knows that he knows not, he's teachable, teach him. And if, but if a man knows not, and knows not that he knows not, he is a fool, shun him. There is nothing more totally destructive than the combination of arrogance and ignorance. It is a lethal combination, which leads to devastation, hardship, and eventually despair. If you don't look at me, just look to the north of us, if you don't believe me. Did the minister in charge at that time know about the paucity of knowledge, realize that not one of the mem members of the management team had any agricultural experience whatsoever? And if she didn't, surely there was something that should have been rectified before handing over the taxpayers' hard-earned money to see a farm in ruins. In 2002, the secretary of the same management team complained that the government had not provided the team with business plans and training programs, a call which, as we shall see, is used time and time and time again. This was rubbish. There was a business plan in place, but it was never used or implemented. It is said that agricultural extension offices had not been allocated, and then the whole of the 4.5 million operational capital had been entirely distributed between the laborers who received only 300 rand per month. And by the way, what happens to be a minimum wage, the government insisted on for all farmers, it went out the window. When the farms were eventually placed under judicial management in January of 2003, the last of the mangoes were so diseased they had to be thrown away, and the farming equipment which would be handed over in pristine working condition was now completely useless. That the committee members were still pulling their 12,000 rand a month salaries right up to the end. Anyway, in the September of 2000, the Nataba Herald, the local rag there, ran an article expressing grave concern about the handover of this valley and said that the government's land reform policy would become the sword of Damocles over the country's agricultural economy. For the people in that area had actually previously seen and witnessed the dis disastrous destruction of the Zebedelia and other citrus states, which had also been given to inexperienced recipients. Millions of rands were lost for a country, not only is the price paid to the existing farmers, but in the huge deficit in the export of sales and the taxes which have been generated from these. 
some of our most productive farms. These are the types of events that are not covered in the local press. And we will see how the continuation of this policy starts to have a damning on effect on our local and export economies. And with only 12%, if you remember, of the land being workable in a country, we cannot afford to have anyone but experts who are responsible for its production. Anything else, Nancy, given that small percentage of our arable land, is, is absolute madness. We can't have it. Well, you certainly be doing some homework on that subject, Roger. Thank you. I have indeed. Mm, mm, it's been giving you much pause for thought. Okay. Thanks, my dear. We'll speak next week. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot. Roger Webster with, uh, with us some thoughts there on uh, land and farming. So don't forget, if you'd like to let us know your thoughts on anything you've heard here, pop us a mail, books at safm.co.za.